my goodness, the presence of God is in this place today, huh? Yes. I'm so glad that you guys are with us here today. So glad that you guys have joined us online. Um, if you just tuned in, hey, if you would take a second and like and share the live stream so we can help or you can help us spread the message and get the word out there to all the people on your friends list on Facebook. Hey, it's an easy way to reach people for Jesus. Guys, we're in week two of a series called Relationship Goals. Hey, I want to give a big thank you to Pastor Jeremy before we go much further in the service today for filling in for me last week. Last minute he got a call because I was sick as could be and could not get out of bed to come do the service. And uh, the guy filled in and he did a great job, didn't he? He did a great job. So let's give God praise for what Pastor Jeremy did last week. Guys, thank you all for leading us into the presence of the Lord today and i tell you i still feel the presence of god in this place in a very strong way i don't think that the lord has even yet begun to do what he's going to do in our lives today so how many of you would say before we go any further in the service hey pastor josh i just give god full permission to do whatever he wants to yeah. in me today you say that yeah you guys watching online, same thing. Don't disconnect just because you're at home in your PJs with a bowl of oatmeal in front of you, sitting on the couch or whatever. Hey, tune in, dial in with your spirit to what the Lord is speaking to us today. Uh, if you talk to anybody who's married, they're going to give you some advice on how to have a great marriage. Everybody's got ideas. Everybody's got their little advice. You know, it's like one guy in his early 20s was talking to his granddad about his marriage, and he said, Granddad, I don't ever hear you and Grandma fighting, ever. It's like y'all have a picture-perfect marriage. What is the secret? I don't, y'all don't fight over anything. And he says, well, I'll tell you a story, and I'll explain everything to you. He said, okay, tell me. I want, I want to know, because I want my marriage eventually to be as peaceful as you guys, because it looks awesome. He said, okay, well, years and years ago, we lived on a farm, and I was taking your grandmother to town with me. We hopped on the wagon, put the horse up there. We were horse and wagoning our way into town. And while we were going down this dirt road, we passed an apple tree. And your grandmother said, oh, I love apples. Can I have some apples? Can you stop and get me some apples? So I said, okay. Whoa, horse, whoa. And the horse just kept on going. Wouldn't listen. So I dug in and I said, whoa, horse, whoa. And it kept on going, so I said, all right, that's one. We went down the dirt road a little bit further, and we went past a pear tree. And your grandmother said, oh, I love pears. Can you stop and give me some pears? So I said, whoa, horse, whoa. And the horse just kept going like it didn't even hear me. I said, that's it. I'm getting it. That's two. We went further down the dirt road, and there were these wildflowers growing in the field. And your grandmother said, "Ah." Oh, I love these flowers. Can you stop and pick me some? I said, you know what? I'm going to stop and pick her some flowers. So I said, whoa, horse, whoa. And the horse just kept going. So I dug in and pulled back on the reins and said, whoa, horse. And it just kept on going. I snapped, reached behind the seat, grabbed my shotgun, jumped off the wagon, ran in front of the horse, shot it dead right there. That's three. And your grandmother went crazy. What are you doing? Are you out of your mind? 
Now we don't have a horse to pull the wagon to town or back to the house. We're stuck out here on this dirt road in the middle of the country, and we have no way to get to and from where we're going. And I looked up at your grandmother, and I said, that's one. <laughs> Never had a problem with her ever since then. Peaceful marriage, peaceful marriage. No fights, no arguments, no nothing. Everybody's got advice on marriage, and I'm not saying you should go that route, but apparently it worked. Um, but what we want to do today is give you some, some basic principles on how to have a good marriage. And I've, there, there's a thousand things that you can point to, and there's a thousand things that you can talk about. Coping techniques, communication techniques, um, raising children, how to, to work and coordinate schedules and all that stuff, all the inner workings of strong dating relationships and strong marriages. But I'm all about core principles and getting to the root of having strong relationships and strong marriages. Because if you get the roots right and the tree is healthy, then the fruit takes care of itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're going to jump into the Bible. And I want to lay some foundation because if you're talking about marriage today, you've got to define the terms and, and, and everything before you go too much further. So let's look, lay a quick foundation. The Word of God says regarding marriage. Genesis chapter 1. Starting at verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock, and the wild animals, the creatures that move on the ground. God said, Let us make mankind in our image. You are created in the image of God. I'm back up, sir. You are created in the image of God. Okay? You're created in the image of God. The word God here is a word called Elohim. Okay? It's a plural term. The plural term. This is why it says God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. There's a plurality to it. Elohim is a plural term. It means God in concert within himself. Wow. The multiple personalities of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in concert within themselves. One, unity. Distinct individual personalities together. Now, when I first heard that concept, it threw me for a loop. I'm like, how can you be three and still be one? That doesn't make sense. Well, if you think about water, H2O, okay, it's always H2O, but it can be a liquid, water. If you freeze it, it's a solid, it's ice, and if you heat it, it evaporates and it becomes steam, but it still has the same chemical composition. It's still H2O. It just takes different forms. It's still the same. God is God. He just has three distinct personalities. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, see the perfect example of this in Scripture. Okay, He goes down into the Jordan River and you have God the Son being baptized. You hear God the Father speak. This is my Son, who, I'm lo who I love. With Him I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove Onto Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, Holy, and, and God the Holy Spirit. Three parts in unity together, in concert within themselves. 
We are created in the image of God as individuals. Okay? Within us, we've got three parts working to reflect the image of the God that we're created in. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. The book of Thessalonians tells us this. Our body here, you can see it for better or for worse, this is what we got, right? The mirror will tell you for better or for worse, this is what you got. Your body. Then you got your soul, it's where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. Then you have your spirit. Three parts together. If you're in Christ, your spirit is alive in him. Now you've got three parts working together as one because we're created in the image of God. Everybody following me? I thought we were talking about relationships, Pastor Josh. We are. We are. Three in one in concert within themselves. We are created in the image and the likeness of God so that when God looks at us, he wants to see a reflection of himself in what he's created. While we're one within ourselves, he expects us to be one with him in his likeness and his image so that while he is in concert within himself and we're in concert and unity within ourselves the way he created us in his image and his likeness, that we move in concert and oneness with him. And so we're moving in the same rhythm and the same orbit, the same spiritual steps. So when he looks at us, he sees himself. When he looks at us, he sees his perfect timing in our lives. When he looks at us, he sees the beauty and the power of his spirit at work and reflected within ourselves. Okay, We reflect him and the two are one. Two are one created in his image and in his likeness. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. How many genders are listed here? <laughs> this, is, this is a big math question. We got two, right? What are they? Male and female. There you go. Um, I want to qualify this, okay? Because you're reading from Genesis. I, how many of you love Jesus? I love Jesus. He's everything to me. He's everything to me because he lived and he died on a cross to pay for my sins, pay for your sins. He didn't just die on a cross to pay for our sins. He went to the grave, and then that joker was resurrected back to life. That's awesome to me. That's awesome to me. Why is that important, Josh? Because if a dude can predict his death, burial, and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm going to go with what that guy says every time. That's the biggest no-brainer in the history of the world. I want to go with what that guy says. I love Jesus because he first loved me. And I align my life in such a way as to line up with the word that Jesus gave me. Now, when we look at a definition of what marriage is and to who marriage is available to, I'm going to land on what Jesus says. Amen? Mark chapter 10, verse 6. This is Jesus speaking. So in your Bibles, it would be in red. Jesus is giving a conversation on marriage. And he says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So out of the mouth of Jesus is the establishment of gender. Male 
and female. Listen, I don't care what executive orders get passed from the White House. The Word of God is the Word of God. And if Jesus says there's two, then there's two. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that we hate people that claim otherwise, but we're going to go with what Jesus says because Jesus is important to us. So for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. There it is again, a man and his wife. Not a man and a man, not a wife and a wife, but a man marrying his wife. Jesus lays it out pretty clearly. And the two will become, oh, look at this again, one flesh. So that they are no longer two, but one flesh. No longer two, but one flesh in unity. Two people created in the image of God coming together one and one to become one in unity. I need some volunteers this morning to help me out. If you get this today, guys, if you get this, this is going to change everything. It is going to change how you approach your dating relationships. It's going to change how you approach your marriage if you get what I'm giving you this morning. And if you grab a hold of it and you let God speak to you, listen, he's going to go to some deep places in your spirit today and do a powerful work inside of you. Okay? I need, Joe, can you come help me? I need one more person. Let me think. Mark, can you come help me this morning? I need Joe right here. I need Mark to come stand right here. And I need a cute little couple. I need a cute little... Jeremy and Rachel, can you guys come help me this morning? Can you go one and two right here? Okay. Now let me break down what we've talked about so far. You've got God. Now, I'm not calling myself God. Okay, this is just for the sake of an illustration. All right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In concert within themselves. Three distinct personalities, one Godhead. Okay? Now, if I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, and God is going to look at me and want to see a picture of himself in me, then what I have to do is to take myself and put myself into unity with the Spirit of God. Two individuals, two individuals in unity with the Spirit of God coming together now as a man and a wife Two people that were created to bear the image of God coming together in a union that is, listen to me now, designed to bear the image of God. So you've got the two becoming one. But does this picture here, Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, look like this picture here right now? No. No. It's only when, it's only when mm -hmm. the two are brought into alignment under God 
that you see an accurate image of the Godhead displayed through marriage. Marriage has to be submitted under the leadership, the instruction, and relationship with God. Otherwise, it does not, it does not fulfill the purpose for which it was established. Marriage is established, listen to this, to use the relationship between these two to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. And if Jeremy isn't lined up with Christ, and if Rachel isn't lined up with Christ, they cannot be in unity with one another because they're in disunity with the Spirit of God. The two have to be one, and then they become one under the headship of God. Make sense? Yes. Give God praise for these guys helping us out this morning. Thank you. Now, why are we still talking about this? Listen, this is incredibly important. Okay? This is what I promise you. I promise you this. Your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. Yes. 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. That means going back to how you conduct yourself in the dating process leading into marriage. If you do it God's way, it will produce the fruit that God intended for it to produce. Got to do it God's way. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I would rather do it God's way. Why? Because he created marriage. He created marriage for a specific purpose. And if you want your marriage to be peaceful and and, and bear the fruit of joy and intimacy and closeness and oneness and that, that, that relationship that goes deeper than a friendship, you've got to do it God's way because God created it for a specific purpose. And it's not to serve your needs, your wants, and your desires. It's to reflect a picture of him and his relationship with the church. Amen. Okay, so you got to make sure your motivation's right. If I wanted to go, let's say I wanted to go to Chattanooga from here, I would go and I would hop on I-75, and if I wanted to go to Chattanooga and I hopped on 75 and went south, how long would it take me to get to Chattanooga? You never get there. Does it matter how long I stay on 75 south? I mean, eventually I'm going to hit water. I think, if I stand there long enough, you know, which might not be a bad thing. The beach would be nice this time of year. My God, in heaven, I'm sick of the cold. Um, but still, if you want to go north, you got to go north. If you want to go to Chattanooga, it takes north to get there. All right, listen, if you want to do things God's way, you've got to do things God's way or you're not going to get there. Okay, if you want a beautiful marriage, if you want great dating relationships... If you don't do it God's way, you're not going to see the fruit that God intended. You guys ever put together a piece of furniture? Oh, I love putting together. I think I like watching other people put together furniture more than I like putting it together. Because there's like two kinds of people. One, you're going to have the people that follow the instructions and go one step at a time. Maybe y'all are instruction people. Like you open it up one step at a time. Yes, I need... Um, take the screws from pack A1, okay, A1, take, 
tool B4, A1, B4. I feel like you're playing Battleship putting this stuff together. Yeah. So you go cranking on stuff one step at a time. Then there's this other group of people that just open the box, start ripping open packs of screws and tools and all that stuff, and then we start trying to put stuff together. And then when we get to a place where we don't know what to do next, we'll consult the, the directions, talk about how stupid they are, and then try to figure it out. How many of y'all are like figure it out yourself kind of people? Amen. Yeah, amen. Most men are like, let me figure it out myself. Most women are follow the instructions. It'll save you time. Okay, listen, two different approaches to your marriage. You can try to figure it out on your own and do it the hard way. Or you can follow the instructions that God has left you in his word and do it one step at a time the correct way. You put stuff together without the directions, you always end up with extra parts. Like, you, like the furniture is together, but I got these three extra screws that I don't know where they, it looks like it's together, but there's three screws extra here. I don't know, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you do it God's way, you can save yourself a whole lot of heartache. And this is my motivation today. Listen, I want to save you frustration in your marriage. I want to save you frustration in your dating relationships. I think too many people have their hearts broken because they go about the dating process the wrong way and they overcommit before it's time to commit to that level and they leave themselves vulnerable and the enemy destroys us emotionally. Um, I think people fight and argue over things in their marriage that they don't have to fight and argue over. I want you to have a peaceful marriage, listen, that reflects the image of the God that created you and brought you together with that other person that he created in his image too. Do it his way, save yourself some trouble. So this is the thing that I wanna talk about today now that we've set all of that up. Is it good stuff so far? Yeah. You're made to reflect an image. Okay, you're made to reflect an image. And here's the deal. If you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember this. It takes one to be one. It takes one to be one. One individual complete in the presence of God reflecting his image and his likeness joined together with another person who is one before God reflecting his image and his likeness. Now, the passage that we read talks about how the two shall become one. It doesn't say the half shall become one whole. God's not about putting halves together to create holes. Two complete individuals reflecting God in unity with him coming together in unity with one another under his headship as their marriage reflects his image and his likeness. It takes one to be one. It takes one to be one. We're taught something different in the world, though. Like, we're taught that if you get together with somebody, you want to find somebody that completes you, that compliments you. Compliments probably a better way to say it, but like Jerry, Jerry Maguire got it wrong. He got it wrong. You know, we had that big scene where he was like, you complete me me and then the lady's like stop it stop it you had me at hello you had 
and everybody's like, oh my gosh, he had her in hello. It's a bunch of sap, man. Listen, a person does not complete you. Doesn't complete you. But we're taught to find someone that completes us because outside of Christ, we're individuals full of holes and gaps that are incomplete, that cannot be fulfilled any other way. And if we don't look to Jesus to to restore and to fill those places, then we've got to try to get that fulfillment from someone else. Okay? And we're taught to have a big list of what we're looking for in a person because we want that person to complete us in the ways that we need to be completed. But that's not what God intended. He intended for us to be whole and complete in him. Okay? So let me challenge you. All right, if you're dating or dating somebody now or you're thinking about dating, um, let me challenge you with this question. Okay? Are you the person, the person you're looking for, is looking for? See, we like to look for the stuff that we want, but we don't stop to think about who we're becoming and who we are. Well, he needs to be six foot something, dark hair, with this color eyes, big old biceps and a big old barrel chest and he needs to have some money. I heard a dude whistle back there. All right, we need to talk. We need to talk about that. Um, so, <laughs> so the job and the money and the car and a house and all of this stuff. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. What kind of person is a dude like that going to be looking for? And if we're trying to build a marriage the way that God wants us, the dating relationship going into it. Okay, dating, the purpose for dating is to lead towards engagement and eventually marriage. Listen, if you're dating somebody because you're bored and you're just trying to play some games and you want someone to pay for your dinner or to hang out with or whatever, listen, can I just encourage you to stop using them for your own fulfillment and turn them loose and get serious in your relationship with God and let him grow you up? Okay, um, so... Are you the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? What are you allowing God to do inside of you to prepare you for that moment, for that relationship, for that marriage? Here's another question uh, for everyone that, that, that is married because it still has to do with us and who we are and who we're becoming. Are you still the person they were looking for when they chose you. Do you still have those qualities? Do you still have that character? Do you still have that relationship with God that was so attractive to him? Do you still have that passion for worship? Do you still have that heart that seeks after God or has time slowly chipped away and brought in complacency. Do you still try to sweep them off their feet? Or are we giving up on that? Are you still that person that they were looking for when they chose you? Who are you becoming? See, this is what God is more concerned with in relationships and marriage. Who we're becoming and who we are because we're intended to bear his likeness and his image in our dating relationships and in our marriages. 
Who are we becoming? And it's, it's weird because we're taught in society to project an image and relationships has almost kind of become like consumerized in a way or commercialized in a way because you want to project a great image to attract somebody to that image and we kind of start acting like we're a great big puzzle box. And this puzzle box has got a picture on the front of it that's supposed to tell me what the pieces on the inside look like when they're in the right place. Okay? My wife Kelly loves puzzles. I hate puzzles. I can't stand them. She starts a puzzle and I can just kiss the table goodbye for like weeks or months or however long it takes her to finish the puzzle. That becomes sacred ground and no one can touch it, you know. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll steal a piece and put it on a shelf and I'll wait for her to get the puzzle put together and be missing one piece and then she'll come straight to me. What did you do with my piece? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're, we're taught to have a good image on the outside of our box. And we become really good in relationships, especially dating, and getting the outside of this box looking good. And even when we've been married for a while, we'll let the outside of our marriage look great and the outside perspective look awesome. But God is more concerned about what's happening on the inside of this box and not what is presented on the outside of the box. Because here's what happens over time is that you, you let enough time go by and you, let's say, oh, come apart, come apart, there we go. Our box looks like this to everybody. To go through life, okay, and outside of Jesus, when you go through life, life takes stuff from you. Takes stuff from you. So you let the lady get into a real serious relationship for her. And she dates a guy for, let's say, for a year and a half, she's dating this guy. And then she finds out that he's cheating on her. A year and a half with this guy, and she's thinking, he's the one, and he's cheating on her. There goes a piece from the inside of her. She loses a little bit of trust. She experiences a little bit of hurt. She has to process the betrayal. And she has to deal with the embarrassment of what's happened. Why didn't she know? How could she not have noticed? And that life experience takes something from the inside of her. Now, mind you, on the outside, she's presenting a good front. But on the inside, she's lost something. Fast forward to the next relationship. And this guy's wondering, why in the world is she always asking me where I am? Why is she always checking my phone when I'm not looking? Why is she always all up on me and anytime a woman walks by, she's watching me to see if I throw a glance towards that person. 
Why? I'll tell you why. It's because she doesn't have trust to give anymore. She doesn't have trust to give anymore because it was taken from her. She doesn't have security anymore because it was taken from her. She doesn't have that confidence anymore because it was taken from her. And now she's insecure, she's untrusting, she, and this guy is wondering why in the world is she acting this way? I thought I was dating this. I thought I had that, but I'm finding as I get closer to this person that there's some stuff on the inside that was hidden, and now I'm finding out stuff later in this relationship that maybe I should have seen on the front end. Same thing with a guy. Why is he so overbearing? Why is he so territorial? Why is he? Because life takes stuff from us and relationships will take stuff from us. And we'll find ourselves outside of Christ not being whole and not being one complete person. Now, we look great on the outside. Have you ever dated, guys, you ever dated a lady and everything was cool for the first couple of months, and then it's like a switch flipped, and she just turned crazy on you? Oh, my goodness. What in the world? I thought I was getting this. What? The guy was so sweet. He was so courteous. He was such a gentleman. And then six months into it, I find out, he, you find out that he's got a temper from hell itself that he kept hidden from you until you got too close he just couldn't hide it anymore because we present this and we hide that and God is saying listen if you want your relationships to be healthy you have got to stop hiding this junk right here behind this right here and let me get a hold of you and make you whole and complete so that you can accurately reflect my image from you because it takes one to be one it takes one to be one arguments and fights in your marriages. I'm telling you, if you don't let God heal, we can put on this beautiful, it looks great. You think your marriage is going great. Until you touch that nerve that hasn't quite healed yet. And you've got World War III over a minuscule issue because it's just snowballed over the years and it hasn't been resolved because you haven't taken the time to make sure that you were one with him and one together before him, allowing him to heal and to restore, and allowing him to reflect his... Some of y'all, I still don't think you're getting this yet. It takes one to be one. Now, this is huge. This is huge because you cannot operate in your marriage if you don't allow God to heal and restore and make you whole and make you one. Ephesians chapter 5, it, it, it tells us, this is, this is, this is amazing. It, Ephesians 5, verse 22, you guys read with me, it says, For wives, it's kind of giving the roles and responsibilities of the husband and wife in marriage. For wives, this means submit to your husbands 
as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Let all the ladies say submit. Oh, that wasn't so heartfelt, was it? That wasn't so heartfelt, was it? Let's, let's switch the roles a little bit. Let's let all the guys say submit. submit. See, there it is. You got to submit. But then on the flip side, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. This does more than just define roles in a marriage, okay? Um, you've got a husband and a wife who are one in marriage, both submitting to each other, mutual submission within the roles. Just like in the Godhead, you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each one of them equally God, but they have different defined roles of operation within the Godhead. This is what's happening in the marriage. God is saying, listen, you are supposed to carry this responsibility and you are supposed to carry this responsibility, but you were not one less than the other. You're operating in different roles together, mutually submitting to one another and serving one another as you sit in submission under me. And so you see yourselves as equal, but in completely different defined roles. Serving one another. You cannot serve someone while you're trying to take something from somebody. And if you're looking to another person to feel something that you're missing inside of you, which is what we do outside of Christ. You cannot have a mutually submissive relationship. You have one person trying to get something from another person that they are not qualified to give you because a person cannot feel the gap inside of you that only Jesus can feel. In your dating relationships or in marriage. Just be, I know people that have been married for 20 years and they are more lonely and depressed now than they were when they were single because a person will not fulfill you or complete you in any way. And they look to a person to try to do something for them that only God could do. Amen. It doesn't work unless you work it right. Mutually submitted to one another, giving to one another. Because if you're not serving one another, then an ugly four-letter word starts to surface in your relationship. And it's called S-E-L-F. You become selfish in how you approach your dating relationships. Because you're looking for someone to give you something. I need emotional fulfillment from you. I need security from you. I need physical satisfaction from you. I need companionship from you. I need, I need. And relationships biblically are not about what we get from one another. It's about what we give to one another as we serve each other. So the $20 question is, are you selfless 
or are you selfish? Every conflict in marriage is because of self. Because one or both of the people are being selfish. Because it takes two people submitted to God, committed to each other, and submitted to Him. Individually and together to make a marriage work. You can't have one person serving God and one person halfway doing it. Self is going to work its way in. And you're going to have conflict in the relationship, conflict in the marriage, and you're going to step outside of the bounds that God has set. You want to know why you're fighting? You want to know why you can't get along? You want to know why it's awkward around each other instead of passionate like it used to be? It's because self has crept its way in. And it's built a divide between you. Self has to die. And here's why. Here's why. Ephesians 5.31. Going to complete this thought on what a marriage is all about. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Two individuals united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. It takes one to be one. It takes one to be one. Because out of the beauty of marriage, God is showing a deeper reflection of who he is and the relationship between Christ and the church. And your marriage won't be fruitful like he intended and it won't be peaceful like he intended. You won't have the passion, you won't have the unity, you can't have any of it until you first make sure that you're one individually with him. It's only then that you can become one together. I was praying over this this morning. The Lord told me, you're going to look in the eyes of a lot of people today, and you people watching online, and you're showing me this. And you're showing each other this. God wants you to take a moment and make sure that all of this is accurate with that. This is what I know about puzzles. Found this out because I hid a piece from Kelly one time and I lost the piece that I hid from her and we had to get the piece that I took and hid from the manufacturer uh, to replace it. Did you know that if you put a puzzle together and you can take a picture of it, you can send it to the maker of the puzzle and they'll find the piece that's missing and they'll actually send that piece to you so you can finish the puzzle. It's pretty cool, isn't it? If we were to put together the picture that's you, I know without asking today, there's going to be gaps in a lot of us. Some of you have carried hurt from dating relationships 
20, 30 years ago into the, the marriage that you have today. Some of you are so damaged from previous marriages that didn't work out that you, you, you find yourself too guarded to even enter into a relationship again with someone to date. Or you, for, forget about that, that level of unguarded intimacy with your spouse because the trust is gone. Peace is gone. That joy is gone because life took it away from you. And I'm here to tell you today that if you will just take a moment and let God see the real you because he sees it anyway. He will look at the pieces that are missing and he will put back what life has taken from you. And he will restore the inside what's missing in the picture now this is kind of deep God wants to heal and God wants to restore today and for some of you this is going to be one of the hardest altar calls that you have ever wrestled with responding to because you have become very good at projecting the box and hiding the missing pieces and it's affecting your dating relationships and it's affecting your marriage and God wants to restore you today and make you one because it takes one to be one amen bow your heads and close your eyes Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask, Lord, that you speak to hearts that are here today and speak to those that are watching online. Father, speak to those that may be listening to this message long after we've had this service today. Father, I pray that every wall would, would be let down, every defense would be lowered. You want to restore, you want to heal, and you want to make us complete in your presence today. For some of us, the frustration has been that we've been looking everywhere else but you. Because we know when we look to you that we finally have to be real with the fact that that hurt is there and that wound is there and that injury is there and that that piece of us was lost. It was lost in the molestation. It was lost in the rape. It was a lost in the abuse of our father or our mother. It was lost in the bullies that we faced in school. It was lost in the relationships and the betrayals that we had in the past. It was lost in failed marriages. It was lost over time. But I thank you, Father, that you are the God that restores, that you are a God of new beginnings, that you are a God that can heal. Lord, that you're a God that takes things that are not and makes them though they are. Father, I thank you that you are the great creator. And Lord, I thank you that you can take the missing pieces of our lives and breathe your breath on it, Lord, and bring forth what is not there to make us whole in you. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across this place. Say, Pastor Josh, this is for me today. I need to let God make me one. I need God to make me whole again. I need to get that part of me back. 
so that I have it to give. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes and I want you to look at me. I don't care who you are or what you're doing now or what you're supposed to do later in the service. I want you to be real and honest and transparent with God because he is desiring to do something in your heart today. Don't let this moment pass you by. When I count to three, if that's you, lift your eyes and look at me. I want to pray for you this morning. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. 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 I see you in the back. I see you in the back right there. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's do this, all of us, if you will. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand this morning. And this is what I want to do. I want to invite y'all, everyone here, whether you lifted your eyes or not, it's fine. I want to invite you to come up into this altar area here in the front. Come on right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Let's just move. Just come up front. Probably 85% of us here today said, yeah, there's, there's some stuff. Man, this is what life does. And I know it seems like a different take on, on marriage and relationships, and, and that, but I'm telling you the principle is the principle. It takes one to be one. It takes one to be one. And God wants to do something powerful in your life this morning. Now listen, I don't know, I don't know what you need God to do, but God knows. I don't know what pieces you need restored, but God does. And I know that He is more than capable of making it happen. Amen? More than capable of making it happen. So all across this place, whether you're up here in the front or you're in your seat, let's just lift up our hands and let's focus on Jesus. He is the one. He's the one that makes the way. He's the one that restores. He is the one that does it. Okay? And it's in His presence that we're restored. And it's in His presence that we're healed. It's in his presence that the miraculous happens. What is it that needs to be restored? What is it that needs to be put back into place? Let's just lift ourselves up to the Lord right now. Father, look at us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you see every missing piece. Lord, that you see every gap that needs to be filled inside of us right now. And Lord, I pray. That in this time of worship that we're about to have, Lord, that you, by your presence, heal and restore and move and do what's necessary, Father, to make us one with you today.